0: The Lord today. Come on. It's a good day to be in the presence of God. Amen. I'm so glad that you've made the decision to join us. We had a great time in our 8:30 service this morning. I'm looking forward to the same thing right here. I already feel the presence of God. I how I many how I many just appreciate our worship team? Literally, week in and week out, these guys just do a tremendous, tremendous job, and we are so spoiled. We're spoiled rotten. That's just the truth. And I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful for them and all that's happening there. A few announcements, just a couple to kind of let you know, get you, get you in on what's happening around here. Uh, for, during the course of this past year, we canceled something that was kind of close to the heart of everyone, and that was something called First Wednesday. Somebody say First Wednesday. First Wednesday, like First Wednesday, never even heard of that. Well, First Wednesday happens the first Wednesday of every month. Did you know that? And uh, what it is, is we do a special midweek service um that transpires right here both of our campuses show up it happens at 7 p.m it's a midweek just i'm talking we have a great time and we just let our hair down have a fantastic time we have this this upcoming uh, first wednesday in march we'll have with us victor danridge all right victor danridge somebody say victor danridge Victor Danridge. Victor Danridge actually was one of our assistant pastors here for many years, a favorite preacher. We've had him several times over the course of the last five years. He's been here at least probably three or four times. Uh, he is a fantastic black gospel preacher, all right? And so you're, you'll leave here with your hair on fire. It's going to be one of those type of evenings. And so I encourage you to come bring someone on, on a midweek service. Uh, we'll be right here in the sanctuary. It's going to be a great great time, amen. Also, coming up in March, just, just to kind of get you aware of and thinking about, we're going to be launching e-groups, which are small groups that will be happening uh, throughout the week in different locations um, throughout Orange County, even, even uh, maybe a couple even in Los Angeles County, uh, people that travel in uh, for our services. And what, we're, what they are, they're small groups that take place all, the, all over the place. And, and we really would love to see you get connected in community. And one of the ways you can do that is just by joining a small group. We're going to have all of that information for you next Sunday. And uh, so when you're here next Sunday, you'll get all of that information. And uh, hopefully we, you'll make a decision. I want to get in community. I want to be around the people of God. And, and uh, th- that, that would be fantastic. All right, I want, to, I want to go ahead and release our children to Sunday school this morning. And as they go, we're going to give our Sunday school teachers a big round of applause. Go ahead. Come on. Let's thank them for all the hard work that they do for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I wanna welcome everyone here today. If you're online, visiting us here uh, in person, uh, we love having you here. There's nothing better than being in the house of God amongst the people of God. And I I wanna just go ahead and tell you that you, I believe you're the smartest people in Orange County right now, because you got up today and said, I'm going to the house of God. That's what you said. You got up, you said, I'm going to the house of God. I'm gonna go and hear from God. And The reason I wanna hear from God is because I want the kingdom of God to be flourishing in my life. I wanna bring heaven to earth. How many woke up thinking that? I didn't, co- I didn't go to church today for the good coffee. I didn't go to church for the cafe. I didn't go to church to see so-and-so. I came to meet with God today. How many, is, how many came here today? He said, I'm going to meet with God today. Come on, let me see your hands. I believe God wants to touch you today. And here's the truth. Satan has tried and failed to keep the word of God from you. Because you've made a decision, all right, I'm going to go hear from God. Meaning he's tried to lock out the word of God from you. He's tried tried to lock you out of the house of God. He's tried to lock you out of the people of God. How has he done that? He's done that through isolation. What Satan has tried to do is lock you into fear and lock you into isolation. And so what we've decided as a church, that we're not gonna get locked into his trap. Instead, we're gonna get locked in on the things that Satan's tried to lock us out of. That's what we've said. He's tried to lock us out of faith. We know that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so if he can stop you from hearing the word of God, if he can stop you from being in the house of God, he can lock you out of faith. He's tried to lock you out of his presence because we know that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of him. So he's tried to lock you out of the presence of God and he's also tried to lock you out of your destiny because we know destiny happens in community. Future happens in relationships. So we've decided, that we're getting locked in and laser focused on the things that Satan has tried and has been hell-bent to destroy, we're locking into connection. Somebody say connection. We're locking into connection because we know we need to live a connected life. And next week, we're gonna finish off this theme. We're gonna be launching e-groups and it's our sincere desire for you to find community here at Elevate Ministries. It's our sincere desire, and, and that can be done in a variety of ways. It can happen just by going to lunch today after church with someone, but, but connections are so important to your life. We're going to provide a small hub group so that you can be a part of, e-groups, uh, a community that you can, you can be a part of. Now, today, I'm going to minister to that end, and I'm going to minister a sermon that I've entitled Ships, Sparks and student drivers, all right? Ships, sparks, and student drivers. I know it's very random. I'm praying that it makes sense as we, as we move along this morning. Uh, we've had a great, great, great month. Last week, if you missed... Carrie's message last week, I encourage you to go back and, and, and give it a listen. It was incredible, just an incredible message. I'm not gonna do it just as trying to give you a little cliff note of it. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But this morning, uh, this, this, this sermon is based on Genesis 2.18 and where God looked down at Adam and his creation and, and, and said it is not good. Somebody say not good. God said it is not good for man to be alone so I'm gonna make a helper suitable for him. Now, the first thing that God said was not good was for man to be alone. God, I want you to get that in your brain. The first thing God said wasn't good was for man to be alone. Up until that point, everything was good. Literally everything. God said, let there be light. Instantly light came and God said, that's good, right? And then he said, let there be a firmament. Let there be land separating water. And he looked at it and he said, that's good. And then all of a sudden he said, he said I want the land to, to, to produce. And there were herbs and fruits and vegetables and, and flowers and trees and shrubs. And God looked at it all and said, that is good, all right? And then, and then, and then God created the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and, and animals and, and all of these things. He looked at it all and said, man, that's so good. Then on the sixth day, all of the earth got upgraded. experience that the first upgrade all right god created man and then god said now that is very good he said very good that is very good now i just want to stop right here and debunk a lie from hell are you ready for it let me debunk a lie from hell you improve creation man actually improves creation i want you to let that sit for a second because the world is trying to create this narrative that somehow humans are a blight to creation that somehow humans, they're the threat to creation, that they're, they're the threat to, to what God created. You can turn on TED Talks or watch the news, listen to AOC and crazy environmentalists and all these crazy people, and you're gonna hear the same narrative over and over again and again, and they'll say the problem with the world is humans. And what can happen is we can listen to that and it kind of makes sense. Like humans are creating all these issues that we're destroying the planet and that somehow our carbon emissions and, our, and climate change and global warming, all of this crazy stuff is the result of humans, that humans are the problem. And I'm here today to tell you that is wrong. It's just not true. Humans have problems, humans aren't the problem. Humans have problems, that problem is sin. Sin is the problem alright sin is the problem humans aren't the problem so let me lay down a little truth straight from God's Word are you ready for it this morning everything was good until humans came along and then it was very good that's not Adam speaking that's God speaking everything was good until humans came along and then it became very good everything got upgraded when you showed up give yourself a big round of applause this morning everything got better when you were conceived that's, that's straight from God's word, and I know it doesn't match the narrative that the world is slinging your way. And I've only got, here's the truth, I only get 40 minutes a week to kind of to preach the truth of God's word, and the rest of the world gets 167.2 hours to preach their trash to you. And I've decided that I am, I, I'm just gonna preach the truth of God's word, and when we come along a little something like this, I, I'm gonna tell you what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you the truth of God's words because sometimes you have to realize that all of what the world is saying to you, even in its nuances, the stuff that doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, let me tell you what it is. It's an attempt to subvert the word of God. It's an attempt to, it's, it's, an, it's a veiled attempt to, to be, get you to believe something other than what God says. Humans aren't the problem. Humans are God's creation. And when God created humans, he said, now that is very, very good. And that's the truth. And the truth will set you free. Give yourselves a big round of applause this morning. Amen. All right, so now God's looking down. He's looking down at all of his creation, and now it's the first time that he's noticing something is not good, and what does he say? He said, now it is not good for man to be alone. Now, when I began to think about that, I realized, hey, man, Adam wasn't alone. Like, like he, he wasn't alone. Adam had God. Not only did Adam have God, but, but he also had God. He also had man's best friend. He had dogs. He was living in San Diego Zoo on steroids, all right? I mean, this is like pre-sin. So he's getting along with everything. Like he, he's, got, he's, he's loaded with purpose. God told him, I want you to name all of the living creatures. And the Bible says that whatever Adam named them, that's what they became. So literally, he's learning to speak in prophetic I mean, this is, this is crazy, and, and, and not only that, the Bible says that Adam would walk with God in the garden every day in the cool of the day, and so, I mean, not only does he have purpose, not only is he hanging out with man's best friend, but, but, but think about it, he's with God every single day, chilling, walking with God. We know that sin separates us from God. This is pre-sin. He's in perfect relationship with God. He has connection with the almighty God. Even with this all being the case, God looks down and said, this is not good. Think about that for a second. This is not good. And so what was God saying? God was saying, Adam, I am not enough. I'm not enough. Now, now nowhere in the Bible do we read up until this point that Adam was lonely. There's nothing that would suggest that Adam was lonely. Adam had no idea that he was alone. Adam didn't even, man didn't even notice that he needed a helper. And the truth is, is men don't notice most things anyways. But, but Adam never said to God, you know what, God, you know, I just feel like there's something missing in my life. You never see Adam saying that. Nothing, nothing's going on like that. It was God looked at Adam and said, this is not good for man to be alone. Now, I wanna remind you of something as we kind of get into this sermon a little bit. Jesus didn't die on a pole, Jesus died on a cross. And so the imagery of the cross suggests that there's this vertical beam, right? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a beam that, that, that is between God and man, all right? That going up and down, there's this vertical beam. It's, but it wasn't just a pole, there was a cross. There was a horizontal beam that suggests that Jesus didn't just die to, 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 to um, reconcile relationship, relationship between God and man, but he also died to, to reconcile relationship between man and man. To, to, to bring reconciliation not only to the father but also to each other are you seeing that so Jesus came to restore and put back together not only the relationship that was broken between God and man but also what was broken between us yes. Yes. so God is saying even in the crucifixion God is saying you need community yes. you need fellowship you, you need connection you need familia you need family, all right? You need flesh of your flesh. You need bone of your bone. Yes, we all need a relationship with God, that, that divine inspiration, the prophetic. We, we all need that kind of relationship with God. But I'm here today to tell you, you also need people. Yes, right. Come, on, right. Come on, you need relationship. You need connection on a human level. Yes, right. And so God said, Adam, I'm not enough. So I want you to wait here, all right? I want you to hang out here. I'm gonna put you to sleep. I'm gonna pull out a rib and I'm gonna create a helper. I'm gonna bring you help. You and I, I wanna tell you, we need relationship. We need people. We, we do better in community. Can I hear somebody say amen? We, we do better, we do much worse when we're isolated. God's saying, I'm not enough. Wait here, I'm gonna bring help. So this morning, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you three practical and biblical reasons that you need community. Are you ready for it? So the first one is, you need a ship that won't sink. That's the first point. You need a ship that won't sink. Now, 2020, we all would agree, was a year of isolation, all right? It's kind of, it's kind of bled over a little bit into this year, but thankfully things are starting to change. But 2020 was a year that we've heard over and over, again and again, about all the lives that have been destroyed, right? There's been so many reasons for it. People, people's lives have sunk deep into despair for a variety of reasons. People's futures have been shipwrecked, all right? Hope has been lost, and so here we, what we know happened is that we had to isolate because of a deadly virus that was killing people, all right? But what happened is, and now that we look back, we realize that the isolation did very little to stop the spread, right? We can all admit this, all right? Everybody's admitting this. That the, the isolation has done very little to stop the spread, all right? It was, remember, it was 15 days to slow the spread. Here we are 340 days later, and we're still kind of, kind of doing this. It, it, it didn't work. Let's just let's just be honest. Isolation didn't do what it was supposed to do. What it did do, isolation, it did escalate depression. Isolation did escalate addiction and suicide and suicidal thoughts. It did increase abuse and divorce. It did increase alcoholism and drug addiction. Isolated escalated a lot of things and it was all the wrong things. It was all the wrong things. And so now we can look back and we say this, that wasn't good. But God said that in the second page of the Bible, right? I mean, God told us that in the second page. I mean, literally the second page, day two of your Bible reading plan, this is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And all of us are like, man, isolation isn't good. Yeah, it's not good. God told us it wasn't good. We need a ship that won't sink. Man man does so much better in relationship than they do isolated. You know, the CIA discovered that the use of isolation is very useful to to, to break down an enemy combatant. And, And they discovered that when you're isolated, you become vulnerable to doubting what you believe. All right, so you become susceptible to being indoctrinated with a new belief. And so, so you got these guys who were once loyal to the KGB or to Al-Qaeda or to one of these crazy causes. If they're isolated long enough, their once strong convictions, their once strong commitments begin to wane. Isolation breaks them down. Is there any chance that this has been Satan's strategy all along? that he's tried to isolate us all for the same reasons. Why? He wants to break you down, indoctrinate you, cause your once strong commitments to begin to wane, all right? How is it that a virus, is it okay if I, how is it that a virus that has 0.0003% chance of having a negative effect on children, but schools are still shut down? So you got all these kids home alone. Now I know we all watched the movie Home Alone and thank God that Macaulay Culkin, he did a great job by himself. But let's just just say the facts have shown kids aren't doing good alone. They're not doing good isolated. Did you know that isolation actually shuts down the portion of your brain that is stimulated through learning? We learn better in groups and so you have kids that pre-pandemic were straight A students. Today, they're failing their classes because trying to learn in isolation does not work. It does not work. School learning, you can talk to any teacher, you you can talk to any administrator, talk to the kids themselves and they will tell you, learning has crashed and burned. It has been a total disaster. Why? Because it's not good for man to be alone. God said it. It is not good for man to be alone. Data actually shows that if you're if you're isolated for long enough it has a negative impact on the human body all right and, and, and what they say is that that isolation the stress levels of isolation is actually as harmful as being an alcoholic who smokes 15 cigarettes a day the stress level of isolation they found that the toxin produced by stress The same level of toxin is found in the human body by isolation, it's the same as being punched in the face. And so literally, we've got a whole nation that's been punched in the face for a year straight. That's what's really been going on. Studies prove that people that are isolated are three times more likely to to, to contract a virus and more likely to die than those who are highly connected. You know why? Because it is not good for man to be alone. God said it. It's his word. Have you noticed that every time there's a shooting, whether it's parkland or I mean you can go all the way back, all these shootings we've had in our nation, every time they, they 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 interview the neighbors of the shooter, what they say is, oh you know, he was, you know, he's kind of a, a quiet man and kind of kept to himself, bit of a loner. Why? Because it's not good for man to be alone. Are you hearing me today? They actually did a study with rats. Are you interested in any of this stuff? They did a study with rats, all right? And they were trying to understand addiction and depression. And so what they did is they took a rat, threw it into a cage completely isolated with nothing to do. Then they put in the, in the cage clean drinking water and drug-infused water. And that isolated rat went to the drug-infused water every single time. Then they took a group of rats, put them in a cage with lots of activity, introduced the same drug-infused water and the clean water. And guess what? Those, those rats in community, they went to that clean water every single time. Why? It's not good for man to be alone. We were created for community. Are you hearing me today? Come on. When you, when you are isolated, you are not good. It is not good. You need other people. You do well in community. You flourish in community, you do not do well by yourself. And so some of you Bible scholars are thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, the Bible does say that Jesus, in Luke 5, Jesus often withdrew by himself lonely places to pray. How do you answer that, Pastor Adam? I'm glad you asked. In order for Jesus to often withdraw, that would mean that his default position was a position of community. And so he would withdrew because he needed some time to hear from God and all of us need that. We need those, we need those moments in time where we can, we, can, we can kind of disconnect from the noise. We all need solitude, all right? We all need time off the grid so that we can hear from God, but then we've gotta re- we got come back and reconnect again into community. If you look at Jesus' ministry, most of his ministry happened around a dinner table. What was he showing us? He was showing us that you need fellowship. You need fellowship. You need to be around other people. The apostle Paul, in 1 Timothy chapter one, he talks about people shipwrecking their lives. I'm gonna tell you something. This year, I've seen a lot of lives shipwrecked. I've seen a lot of people, their faith, being totally shipwrecked. And so I have a question for you. What kind of ship doesn't sink? Fellowship. It's called fellowship you need a ship that won't sink all right let me tell you what if you want to stay afloat in hard times if you want to stay afloat through the storms the ship you need to be on is the fellowship it's the fellowship if you have fellowship in your life you'll survive I'm telling you right now, the one ship that's not crashing on the rocks, the one ship that's going to keep going and not sink in a crisis, not sink in a catastrophe, is fellowship. You need fellowship. You need community in your life. It makes you healthy. All the studies prove it. It's not good for man to be alone. We need fellowship. And, and, and let me just say this. You're weird without it. Weird. Weird we got to give everybody a pass on 2020 what happened in COVID has to stay in COVID because everybody was crazy weird all right I'm I'm gonna forgive you all right now for everything you said everything you did it all it's all the result of isolation it is not good God said it not good for man to be alone 2020 proves it all right I'm giving you all a pass it's all forgiven praise the Lord all right get on fellowship we all need to be on the fellowship somebody say amen to that Number two, the second, second thing, second reason we need community is because we gotta let the sparks fly. Let the sparks fly. And you're like, I don't understand that. But God said, it's not good for man to be alone, so I'm gonna make a helper suitable for him. And what God was saying to Adam in that moment was, Adam, you need more than me. I'm not enough, all right? There was a song that my dad used to lead. Uh, my dad used to do every, everything in this church. I don't know if you know that, but he did everything. Like he was the greeter the usher, he played the guitar, he led, he led worship, he preached the sermon, did the altar call, prayed with people, counseled people. He, he was the outreach team. He, he drugged me along for a lot of this stuff, but honestly, it was all him, all right? So he used to lead worship, in which, which, I mean, it, was, it wasn't funny then, but looking back, it was hilarious. And there was a song that we used to sing, and maybe some of you who were, who were, who were around in that time, maybe you'd remember it. It was a song we used to sing. It was very beautiful. It's a very beautiful song. It rhymed real well, poetic. It, was, it went like this. It went, He's all I need, he's all, and my dad would be playing the guitar and people would be lifting their hands. He's all I need, he's all I need, Jesus is all I need, I'll worship him. Are you enjoying this? I'll worship him in spirit and in truth. And my dad would yell out right there, Personalize it. You're all I need. You're all I need. So that was kind of like what we did. And I mean, we had some great times worshiping the Lord during that song. And, and here's the thing. That song, it's, while it's beautiful and very pretty, it's just not correct. If we, if we believe what God said, it's not good for man to be alone, then, then, then we, we actually need more than God. You need people. You need people. And you're saying, well, I find people annoying. Like people are irritating. I get around people, I just get annoyed. I just get, exactly, exactly. You need people. People are annoying. Exactly. You need people. It's the annoying people that, that it's the annoying people that help you grow the fastest. And so if God is trying to grow you, he's going to put around you all kinds of weird, annoying, irritating people. Here's the truth. You'd never learn how to forgive someone if no one ever did something wrong. So truth, I would have never had to learn to forgive people if people never gave me a reason to forgive. Matthew 18 says this, Peter came to Jesus and he asked this question. He said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or more my sister who's, who's wronged me? And, and, and he said, should it be seven times? Now, now just, I mean, just think about that for a second. Like, that's a lot. Seven is a lot. Most of us are the three strikes rule. Like, you wronged me three times, you're over, you're out. Three strikes and you're out. That's, that's how most of us live our lives. Is that true? Come on, is that true? Peter's like saying, well, maybe it's seven. You know, it's Jesus I'm talking to, maybe he's God. And maybe it's seven, all right? So should it be seven times? Maybe he was trying to appear more holy or whatever. And Jesus is like, dude, you're not even getting started at that point. It's actually, it's actually gonna be 77 times a day it's 70 times seven, we're talking about, we're talking a lot, and Peter, you you imagine, Peter, he's like, what the heck? Like, Like, are you kidding me? Here's the truth, if you don't exercise the muscle of forgiveness, guess what will happen? Atrophy will set in. You lose whatever you don't work. That's just the way it works, and one of the saddest things that I see on a regular basis is people that know God's word can quote a lot of scripture, you ask them how they're doing and they can't even give you a straight answer because they're so spiritual. I'm blessed and highly favored brother, verily, verily, thee, thy, my, Hi, you get greetings and salutation. It's all super spiritual stuff. Like, like you get around those kind of people and it's kind of like, oh my gosh, like, like, like is, this, is this for real? But up, upon further review, you, you're around them and you like the time you realize the, these guys have problems with so and so they, and they have a problem with leadership and they're not being fed. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Who cares if you have a PhD in theology? Who cares if you know the Greek and Hebrew the Bible says whoever claims to love God and hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And so picture this, Jesus is hanging on a cross. And right in front of them, six feet in front of them are, are a group of people. They're the Roman soldiers. Now I want you to think about it for a second. These Roman soldiers have abused him all day. They've abused him, they've tortured him, they've beat him, they've ripped beard out of him. I mean, and now they're in front of him and they're mocking him. Jesus on the cross, fully fully aware of what's going on. They're, they're gambling for his clothes. I mean, I mean, this is, this is like, and it's happening right in front of him. And so there's Jesus, he's on the cross. If I was Jesus, he begins to pray. If it would have been me on the cross praying, I would have said, God, do you see my coordinates right now? Yes, son, I do. Lord, six feet in front of me is a group of people. I'd love for you right now just to silence them with a strike of the lightning bolt right there and just, just bury them right in front of me. That's what my prayer would be and yours would be the same. Admit it, all right? Yours would be the same, but that's not what Jesus does. He, he's praying and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now, what's crazy is this. Think about this. Not only do these guys not deserve forgiveness, they're not even asking for it. They're not even asking, but here's Jesus. He's this picture of perfection, this picture of maturity. He's hanging on a cross to bring forgiveness, to bring reconciliation. And he's like, you know what? It's got to start with somebody. It might as well be these guys. And so he's not going to allow their evil. He's not going to allow their abuse, their ignorance. He's not going to allow all the things that they've done offend him. Instead, he says, Father, forgive him. I think that is crazy, especially considering how easy we get offended. Oh, he didn't shake my hand today. I don't know if I can go back to that church. I mean, think about what we get offended by. It's, 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 cr- it's crazy, and here's, here's Jesus. He's exercising that spiritual muscle of forgiveness, and that only can happen in fellowship. It only happens when you're around people you don't like. You don't like them, and they're doing things you don't like. And even in church, there's jerky people have you noticed that like even in church God's going to require you to forgive like not everybody here is super nice don't look around stay look (laughs) straightforward not everybody here I mean there's some there are some jerks that show up in the house of God but if we can't forgive people in the house of God how do we forgive when God drops us into a mess How how do we do it? We are here, God's placed us here to bring healing where there's brokenness, to bring hope where there's devastation. Now there's a scripture in Proverbs 27, it says this, and it's a beautiful scripture, it says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That's a great scripture. Like, it looks good in your living room, you know, framed on a plaque or, or maybe a magnet on your on your refrigerator, even a, t- a T-shirt. Or, or if, we're, if we're doing a men's event, like iron sharpening iron, it just sounds amazing. The idea of sharpening each other, that we're both walking around with a cutting edge. Like, like, all of that is super cool. But, but have you ever, like, seen iron rubbing against each other? Have you ever heard iron rub against each other? What happens when you, when you, when you, Take iron and you and you and you and you and you sharpen it together. You rub it against each other. What does it do? It makes a horrible noise and sparks fly. Sparks fly. So here's the thing. What we're saying is, God, we don't want the sparks. We just want the cutting edge. We just want to be sharp, God. Just, we just want. We, don't, we just. We just don't. We want the nice part of the verse. And God's saying, No, it's going to take some sparks. It's gonna gonna take some sparks, there's gonna be some sparks. You're never gonna develop personally unless there's a little sparks flying your relationship will never develop to, to, to the point that God wants it to be without a few sparks flying. So sometimes, yes, people can be edgy. They can be annoying. They can be irritating, rough around the edges, but that's what God uses to smooth us out, all right? So what I'm saying right now is let the sparks fly. I don't like that person. Good. Get around them a little bit more, all right? Because, because you know, what we want, we just want the cutting edge, but God's saying, no, in order to develop that in your life, you're going to have to do it in community. You need need each other sparks have to fly somebody say let the sparks fly fly. let the sparks fly amen the last point this morning is this it's more caught than taught it's more caught than taught the kingdom of God is more caught than it is taught now a little personal information I always steer clear of a car that's driving down the road with that sign on the back that says student driver and then I look to see if it's a male or female that's learning to drive. If it's a female, I just park the car, it's the truth. And you say, why, why would you do that? Well, I, I have two boys and one girl and I've taught them each how to drive. The boys, piece of cake, nailed it. The girls, a little bit rough, little bit rough, little bit rough. A little bit, little bit scary, a little bit scary. There, was, there were several times we had to pull the emergency brake. Not only me, but also the DMV instructor, okay? It's, it's happened, okay? All right, student driving is, 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 you know, it's a little bit scary. Now, here's the truth. Now, what I want you to understand, I love you, Abby, I'm just kidding. Here's the truth. This is what you need to understand is the person that's behind the wheel in that car probably knows more about driving than you do because they spent four hours on an online course, all right, they've watched all these videos, they've actually studied all the tests. So chances are, if you were to take the, the written test alongside them, you'd probably fail and they would fly through, right? And so, so in, inside, these, these student drivers, they actually, they even know the hand signals. You forgot those the moment you passed. You're like, um, right, left, uh, you have no idea, right? Right, but they, 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 even know, they even know the hand st- signals. But, but here's, none of these things matter until you actually get behind the wheel. It doesn't matter how much you know the book. It doesn't matter how, how, how many times you pass the, the written portion of the test. Until you get behind the wheel, you, you really don't know how to drive. That's just the truth. Until you get behind the wheel and experience it for yourself, there are some things in life And the kingdom of God is one of them, it's it's more caught than it is taught. My dad used to use this this terminology a lot when he was preaching in our church about the importance of relationship and the importance of community as it relates to discipleship. Because we're a discipleship church and discipleship has to happen in relationship, why? Because, Because it's more caught than it is taught. And there's nothing wrong with Bible college. There's nothing wrong with online Bible courses and Bible knowledge and cemeteries and commentaries, but let me tell you something, oftentimes the things that you learn in the book you have to experience in real life. It's more caught than it is taught. And you see this principle all throughout scripture. I'm not just making this up, you see this all throughout scripture. There there was a school of the prophets in the Old Testament. Now I I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty cool. Like, Like if you were part of the school of the prophets, how do you get into that school? Like what qualifies for you to be in that school? It just seems like that'd be a great spot for God to kind of select his next leaders and next prophets. If I'm looking for a prophet, well, where would I go? Well, I go to the school of the prophets. But you'll see time and time again that when God wants to use some, do something dramatic, he never goes to the school of prophets. He flies right over them and finds somebody else. Jesus, Jesus doesn't pick anybody from seminary. He doesn't pick anybody with any religious background at all. He doesn't. He doesn't pick a, a Sadducee, a Pharisee, a Levite, or any of those guys that had any sort of religious background, he skips them completely and he goes to marketplace people and picks up guys like fishermen and, and, and tax collectors. It's, t- it's so interesting. But I think what God's trying to teach us there is that the kingdom of God, it's transferable. It goes from one person to the next. It happens in, in, in community, it happens in relationship. You can see this with Moses and Joshua. If you're reading through Numbers, and you're reading about Moses and he's the great deliverer. He's brought the children of Israel out of bondage. And now there's time to, to select the next successor Or they begin to think about who's that gonna be. Well, most people would have said it's Caleb. Look, well, Caleb's the one that's gonna be the next guy in charge. He, he, he seems like he's the most qualified. He's the, the most likely to succeed. He's the one that speaks out in front of all of the people. Even God said, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, I'm gonna bring him into the land and his descendants will inherit it. So even God is noticing the, 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 the qualifications on Caleb. He's the one that's highlighted over and over again. Who's Joshua? Joshua was just another guy that was kind of went with Caleb. He's the guy that kind of agreed with Caleb. And, but, but Caleb seemed to be the one that was gonna take the next step. But at the end of Moses' life, it wasn't Caleb that became the leader. It was, it was Joshua because the kingdom is transferable and it happens through relationship. When you, when you read the story, you, you find out that Moses, when he would go to meet with God in the tabernacle, you know who would go along with him? It wasn't Caleb, it was Joshua. So Joshua would go and, and, and Moses would say, hey Josh, stay here. And, and Moses would go into the tent and he'd meet with God and have these great times with God. He'd come out of that that place glowing. His his face was actually glowing. And you can almost picture him like walk by Joshua. Joshua's just like, he's just looking at Moses and and Moses walks by and just kind of winks his eye. And so what does Joshua do? Joshua says, I'm gonna get some of that for myself. And he would go into the tent and just kind of hang out in the afterglow. The time when Moses was going up to get the 10 Commandments. The Bible says that Joshua went alongside. Joshua's following along, and here's Moses. He's going, he's climbing up the mountain. He's gonna meet with God. About halfway up the mountain, God stops Moses and says, hey, what are you doing? This is like a one-on-one meeting. You know, that guy's not allowed to come. And so Moses is like, hey, Joshua, I'm sorry, man. You can't come up the mountain. But they're already halfway up. And so, so Moses is like, you can't go down either. You can't go up, you can't go down. You gotta just stay right here. So Joshua's like, okay, you know, don't take too long, you know. And so Moses continues his trek up the mountain where he spends 40 days. He's up on this mountain for 40 days meeting with God. I mean, there's thunder, lightning, clouds. There's all this stuff happening and oh, there's all this stuff happening up in the clouds. The glory of the Lord's there. Actually, Moses has stepped outside of time. Like he's on God's time at this point. He stepped outside of time. He's writing Genesis. He's writing about creation. He's never, he never was there for it. And he's, he's writing it for us. He, he's, he's, he's receiving the 10 commandments. He's getting this crazy inspiration and instructions from God. Meanwhile, Joshua's halfway up the mountain. The people down below, the Bible says that the people are, they're getting antsy. And, and, and in Exodus 32, the, the Bible says that Moses was taken so long that the people went to Aaron and said, Hey, make us some gods that, that, that can go before us. You know, as for Moses, uh, we don't know what's happened to him. And so Aaron says, well bring me your earrings. He throws them into a pot and he, he, they melt it down and you know, Aaron forms this like cow-looking structure and he's like, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt. And the people start dancing, which is just crazy to me. Like They're getting jiggy with it and there's this like, little cow. And like, you just kind of picture I mean, them the cow in the middle. Like, and they're just kind of dancing around. And, you know, and, so there's Joshua. He's halfway up the mountain. He's committed to his relationship. He, he wants what Moses has. He's not interested in what the people have. And so there he is, he's trapped there. He's, he looks up, up at the mountain, he's like, oh, he looks down. You know, he's seeing this, he's kind of trapped, trapped in the middle. But he stays there, and he waits for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and, and because of that, because of the relationship, the kingdom being transferable from one person to the next, because of Joshua's commitment to Moses, he's the one that leads the people into the promised land. I just think that's amazing. You see the same thing with Elisha and with Elijah. Elijah was the great prophet from God. He spoke on behalf of God. He, he did amazing things for God. And, 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 he, and he has a young protege that's, that's connected to him. It's a guy by the name of Elisha. And, and Elijah tells his young protege, hey, I want you to stay, stay here. You know, I, I, gotta, I got some business I got to take care of in, in Gilgal. And Elisha says to him, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not, I'm not gonna leave you. And so, so he follows along to, to Gilgal. And while they're in Gilgal, Elijah does the same thing. He's like, hey man, I gotta, I gotta take off. I gotta go to Bethel. Why don't you just stay here and chill out, relax. And Elijah says, no, no, as surely as the Lord lives, I'm not leaving you. And then the very exact same thing happens again. And finally Elijah's like, dude, what do you want? Like, like, what do you want? And Elisha says, "I want a double, double portion of the spirit that is on you." And Elijah, Elijah says to Elisha in that moment, he says, he says this, he says, "If you are with me, somebody say with me." He says, "If you are with me." And see, there's so many people that say, you know, "I don't need people." I can sit here and I can just I can be with God all by myself. I can YouTube videos about the Bible. I can listen to all of the greatest preachers right here in the comfort of my own home. I really don't need other people. I don't need those relationships. But I'm, I'm here today to tell you, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there with them. Listen, listen, Elijah says to Elisha, if you are with me, if you are with me, you'll get it. In other words, if you can stay connected, connected, I love this this portion in Timothy. Timothy Timothy was was Paul's young protege. And there's a famous scripture, and I I wanna show it to you, I want you to catch this, it says this. Paul says to Timothy, he says, I'm gonna remind you to stir up the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. Look at that scripture for a moment. You've heard that scripture a lot. I've heard that scripture a lot growing up. And I know that Timothy was called by God. I, I know that he was anointed by God. I know that he was appointed by God. He led a massive church. And I've heard this scripture preached so many times. And you know what, what went in my brain is that, that well, what happens is the gift is in me already, you know? that gift is already in me. And then when I come to church, someone lays their hands on me, it stirs up the gift. And so I've kind of thought all my life that, you know, I was born with a gift and, and as I grow and as I, as I, as I, as I begin to understand what, what I like and what I don't like and all the things, I, I start to develop that gift and that's what God uses. And, and I just need, I need people to put their hands on me and stir it up and encourage that gift. But I don't think that's what that scripture's saying. I don't think that's what it's, I think if we read that I think Paul was saying, saying something more like this. There are things that you need for your destiny that you don't have yet. There are things that you need in order to fulfill your destiny that just aren't there yet. And so Paul, he's writing to Timothy, okay? That's what you have to understand, this was a letter. They're not together. Paul can't put his hands on him. Paul's in prison. Paul's not saying, hey, the next time we're together, I'm gonna lay my hands on you, God's gonna hit you. That's not what he's saying. What well, Paul's saying, he said, I'm gonna remind you to stir up the gift that you got by hanging out with me. I think that's what it says. He says, I'm reminding you, I want you to stir up that stuff that I taught you. The stuff that you didn't read about. No, it's the stuff that you saw me do. The stuff that I taught you. Face to face when I put my hands on you I show you how to do it he says he says Timothy I'm reminding you to go back to doing that stuff stir up the gift that you learned from me I think that's what Paul's saying right there stir up the gift that's in you how is it in you because you you learned it from me you were around me you need what I taught you to get to the next level That's what Paul's saying right there. So the calling was there all along, we know that, right? The calling was in there, the faith was in there because Timothy learned faith from his grandmother, he learned faith from his mother, but there were certain things that he wouldn't have been able to do had he not spent time with Paul, in relationship with Paul. There's something that happens in community that happens nowhere else. There's something about the kingdom that's transferable, that it goes from one person to the next. And there's things that God wants to put in you that can only happen when you're around other people and you're rubbing shoulders and sparks are flying. Come on, there's some things that only can happen. You need connection. You need community. You need a ship that won't sink. The whole world is telling you, you don't need to be around. Don't be around other people. Stay, stay far away. But I'm going to tell you something. The isolation ship sunk a long time ago. It sunk back in the Garden of Eden when God said, that's not good. That's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to make connection. I'm going to build community. I'm going to build a family. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my bride. That is good. That is what God intended to do. And so Satan, he's going to try with everything in his power to get you off the fellowship to pull you out of fellowship. I'm telling you right now, you need to resist with everything that's inside of you and say, no way, no way. I need, I is not good. I'm not good alone. I'm not good by myself. I may have learned how to do that. I may have grown into the habit of doing that, but I recognize I'm not good isolated. I'm not created to be isolated. I need fellowship. I'm getting, I'm I'm climbing aboard. I'm climbing aboard. Satan wants to shipwreck your faith. How do you maintain faith? Get on fellowship. Get on fellowship, but what if I get hurt? You will, you will. I'm just gonna tell you like it is. People are gonna let you down. You're gonna get in fellowship and people are gonna hurt your feelings. People are gonna do some sinful things. You know what I say to that? Let the sparks fly. Let the sparks fly. Let them fly. When you get in community, there's gonna be people you don't like that irritate you, that annoy you to death. I don't like being around that person. The people you don't like to be around, get around them a little bit more. Let the sparks fly. God's trying to do something inside of you. He's trying to grow you. And guess what? The kingdom is transferable. It only happens in relationship. God's going to pass over the most gifted and the most qualified, the people that everybody expects to. He's going he's to pass right over them and he's going to get with people that are doing life together. My marriage is a mess. Guess what? The problem is you're in isolation or you're with the wrong people. My kids are, listen, the kingdom is transferable. You want a good marriage? Get around people with good marriages. All of a sudden you go, oh, that's how you talk to a spouse. Oh, that, that's, how you, that's how you raise your kids. Guess what? You, you, you've read it all along in a book, but until you see it in front of you, act it out in front of you, it's really kind of hard to do. The kingdom is transferable. It's more caught than it is taught. Be a student driver get behind the wheel, get behind the wheel. Some of you know all the answers from scripture and you've heard all the sermons preached, but you've yet to get behind the wheel. I'm challenging you right now, be a student driver. Get on a ship that won't sink. Let the sparks fly, become a student driver. God, in Jesus' name, we thank you today. Thank you for the way that you created us. You created us for a community. You created us for relationship. We see that now. It's not good for man to be alone. Now we know it's true, we've witnessed it. We've witnessed witnessed the harmful effects of isolation in this past year. And we recognize that it's 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 an attempt at Satan to subvert the word of God and to trick us into following rules rather than the word. And so in Jesus' name, I pray right now that we would rise up Lord, that something inside of our spirit would rise up. We recognize how desperate we are for community, for community. Lord, I thank you today in Jesus' name that I'm a part of of a family of people. Lord that that Lord when I'm down they lift me up. I'm grateful you placed me into a church, into a body a community of believers Lord that when, when a catastrophe strikes they're there to help Lord. When there's a crisis Lord there's people that can lift my shoulders up and lift my head up. Lord I thank you today Lord that the fellowship that you placed me on is never going to sink Lord that, that, that heaven and earth could pass away Lord but the bride of Christ will remain. God we're thankful today Lord you created us for fellowship and I pray right now that you'd convict those that have been in isolation, Lord, and cause something to rise up. Lord, the recognition I need community. Come on, if you're in this place, you say, you know what? I'm getting aboard the fellowship. I'm climbing aboard the fellowship. If that's the only one, just stand to your feet right now all over this room. Lord, I'm, I'm getting in community. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need I need I need, I need to be aboard the fellowship in Jesus' name. Lift your hands, Lord. I thank you for the church of God. I thank you for a body of believers. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the community that you, that you design, that you create. Lord, Lord, to meet the needs that I have in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Lord, we recognize that when we're around other people, sparks are going to fly. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that Lord that it wouldn't happen in vain Lord but as the sparks are flying you're you're sharpening us Lord that you're creating a cutting edge in our life Lord Lord that you're growing us Lord you're building something Lord let the sparks fly come on would you say that right now Lord let the sparks fly let the sparks fly Lord Lord let the sparks fly in my marriage Lord let them fly in my marriage Lord Lord every time I have a problem, Lord, that I would learn, that I would grow, that I would become more like you. Let the sparks fly in my relationships at church, Lord. Let the sparks fly in my relationship with my kids in Jesus' name. Lord, let me be a student driver. Lord, I just want to get behind the wheel. Let me say, Lord, I want to get behind the wheel. Lord, I want to put into practice what I've learned. I want to put into this is what I've learned Lord I don't want to just know I want to do Lord I don't want to just hear about I want to act on it and that, that's my prayer today in Jesus name Lord let me get behind the wheel let me go somewhere in my relationship with God And I know that happens Lord it's transferable Lord it's, it happens in relationship it happens in community Lord so bring us into community in Jesus name in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you God maybe you're here today maybe you're here today all over this room you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We never have a service. We never have a a meeting where we don't want to provide an opportunity for someone to know the Lord. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. Listen, all of this, this stuff about community, it doesn't really work well if you have, if you don't have a relationship with God. God created you for relationship with him and with others. You say, you know what, I need need a relationship with God. I wanna give my life to Jesus. If that's you, while we're standing, maybe you just kind of lift your hand up so I could see it. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Is there anyone like that here in this place at all? Anyone at all, anyone at all? So Lord, we thank you today. Thank you today. Come on, would you grab the hand of your neighbor? Come on, just grab the hand of your neighbor. I know that totally goes against everything. I'm sorry. Maybe grab their elbow if you're scared. Just grab something. Be careful what you grab, just grab something. Just get a point of contact is what I'm thinking about. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this church. I'm not talking about this location. I'm not talking about, Lord, I'm talking about this. This, this, this thing, this organism you created for me, for us. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Lord, I pray you'd help us to recognize our deep need for community, for community. Thank you, Lord. Lord, not only would we recognize it, we'd run into it, we'd be a part of it. And I know Satan would try to lie to us and he would try to, try to push us away from that, but I pray in Jesus' name that there'd be a commitment, that our mind would be made up to the point that we would run into community, not away from it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said this morning. Come on, Amen, Amen. How many want to worship the Lord just for minute. Can we seal this in time of worship? Thank you, Lord. Come on, sing it out today. My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that He wants to. Sing it out. Just ask the man who was. The based on Psalm 133 that says how good it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It literally literally translates together, together. We believe in being together in person and on purpose. And when we do, God does great things. Amen. Love you guys so much. Have a great rest of your Sunday. Enjoy one another. Have some fellowship before you leave. God bless you guys.